been talking about how that God wants us to be in health. How that God wants us to be what? In health. And the plan of God for our lives or the plan of God for our health is goodness. God wants us to be in good health. God wants us to be in good health. God wants us to be healthy. And as much as possible, we also saw that when Jesus walked on the face of the earth, he went about doing good. The Bible said how God anointed Jesus Christ with the Holy Ghost and with power who went about doing good. How was he doing good? By healing all them that were oppressed of the devil. And so we understand from that verse in Acts 10, 38, that God's goodness is healing. All right. And so Jesus did good in a sense that he went about healing the sick. In fact, he could not even take the fact that somebody was sick with fever. When he went to the house of Peter and he saw Peter's mother-in-law who was sick with fever, the Bible said Jesus stretched forth his hand, touched her and healed her of the fever. Something as simple and common as fever, Jesus could not overlook it. That should tell us that no matter what kind of sickness it is, Jesus, number one, has the power to heal. Number two, he has the willingness to heal. And then he also understood that apart from God's willingness and his goodness, he also needs the cooperation of man. So he needs man to be willing. The other day, a man came to Jesus and said, would you that I'll be made whole? In other words, are you willing that I should be well or I should be healed? And Jesus said, yes, yes, truly I want you to be well. And then another time, Jesus meets another man who has been sick or who has had an issue for 38 years and he was sitting by the pool of Bethsaida and Jesus goes to this man and Jesus is now asking the man, do you want to be well? All right. Now that was telling us that Jesus wanted to examine the man's faith so that he would see whether truly this man wants to be well. Because many times when people find themselves in situations for a very long time, it happens that they lose their hope, their faith, and the expectation for change. And that's why we learned that when it comes to healing, there's a requirement of the cooperation of man's faith. So the faith of a man who is to receive the healing interjoins with the power of God, the willingness of God, and the goodness of God, and healing of the miracle is released. And he said, he that worketh miracles amongst you and ministers the spirit does see by the law or by the hearing of faith. That is to say that faith is the conduit for miracles. Faith is the conduit for healings. So if a person desires to be well bodily, if a person desires to receive healing, if a person desires to receive miracles, then he must have the faith for it. So faith comes therefore by hearing and hearing the word of God. So when a person hears the word of God, that God is good, that God is able to heal, that God wants to heal, and he plugs into that word and say, yes, I believe and I accept this word. And then the person now begins to speak forth that I know that when I encounter Jesus, the healer, I'm going to be made well. 
who or made well, when that person is on the pathway of healing. And when that moment comes, just like we saw when Paul was preaching and the man who was impotent in his feet, when he heard Paul speak, and the Bible said, when Paul looked at him, he perceived that this man has faith me. He now said to the man, arise and walk. And when the man heard those words, his faith kicked in and he responded by acting on the words that he heard, by getting up and walking. Do you understand? So you have to come to that point where you know and believe that God wants me to be well. We've talked a lot about bodily healing. But today we want to switch it and not further to talk about emotional healing. Praise God. You remember when we read from 1 John chapter 3 verse 2? He said, Beloved, I wish above all things that thou mayest prosper and be in health, even as thy soul prospers. I wish above all things that thou mayest prosper and be in health. All right? And he said, even as your soul prospers. So he is not only interested in the health of our body, but he's also interested in our emotional or soul health. Is somebody here with me? So God wants us to be well. He wants us to be wholesome. Not that you have strength in your body, but then inside within you, in your mind and in your emotions, there's no balance. Is somebody here? So God wants us to be well bodily. He wants us to be well physically. He wants us to be well mentally. He wants us to be well emotionally. Are you with me? See, when you neglect the well-being of your emotions and your mind, you are doing yourself a harm. Because as much as your spirit is important, the spirit without the mind and the body will not function well. Is somebody here? As much as your spirit is important, the spirit without the body and the mind will not function well. And as we have known that man is spirit who lives in a body and he has a soul. And then the soul element of man comprises will, his mind, and then his intellect and his emotions. Are you with me? Now, Jesus in his earthly days made a remarkable statement about the Holy Spirit and his anointing, which I believe every believer should hear and understand. Luke chapter 4 verse 18. Luke chapter 4 verse 18. Praise God. Luke chapter 4 verse 18. Are you there? It says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind and to set at liberty them that are bruised. Did you see that? Can we take that again? One, two, I want us all to read together. Are you ready? All right, one, two, let's go. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind and to set at liberty them that are bruised. 
He said, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me, and he has anointed me not just to preach the gospel, but also to heal the brokenhearted. And when we talk about the brokenhearted, you're not talking about few people who are just got dumped in a relationship. Of course, they are part of them, but that's not the whole, <laughs> the whole comprising of the brokenhearted. He said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to heal the brokenhearted. So that means that there is an anointing to heal the brokenhearted. And we are not talking about a boy or a girl who got dumped in a relationship and then they got broken heart and they couldn't eat. We are not talking about those guys alone. Of course, they are part of it. So if you got a broken hearted friend, brother or sister, tell them they need to hear this message. Boy, that guy left you, that sister left you, that's not the end of the world. Jesus can patch it up for you, hallelujah. And you'll be on the next train to your honeymoon. Hallelujah. Praise God. So when we talk about the brokenhearted, it is not, we are all, we are not necessarily referring to those guys alone, but also any situational issue that has affected a person's emotional and mental well-being such that it alters the posture of their hearts. So something happened to a person. They went through a situation and all of a sudden it affected them so much that they no longer become themselves. Something happened. They went through something. An interaction, words were spoken. And then the effect or the impact of those interactions, situations or issues affected them emotionally. It affected them mentally such that their heart posture is no longer the same. So now we can see that the person's heart is what? Broken. And when we are talking about how we are not talking about the biological heart that when you go or you dissect a person, you can see the, the cardia in the nose. There's a periphery of the mind that we refer to as the heart. Do you understand? You know, somebody says that uh, when somebody tells you, I love you, you are in my heart. You are in my heart. They're not saying that the arteries and the whatever, I've forgotten all of those signs stuff. The iota, the trombones, whatever they taught us, oxygenated blood, where it moves. We are not talking about that. But you can see the person has an affection for you. There's a seat of the heart. Do you understand? There's a seat of the heart that forms part of their mind frame, that forms part of their soul. And when things like this happen, people become exasperated. They lose hope. They become frustrated and they come to a place where it seems like nothing at all can work or nothing at all is possible for them. Their heart becomes broken and their mind is displayed. And I want to talk to somebody today that God wants to bring healing to every heart that is broken and every mind that is displaced in the name of Jesus. And somebody who asks, why does the state of a man's heart or the mind or the emotions of a person matter in their general health and well-being? Why does it happen? Or why does it um, matter? Proverbs chapter 18 verse 14. Proverbs chapter 18 verse 14. Are you there? 
He said, the spirit of a man will sustain his infirmity. But a wounded spirit, who can bear? The spirit of a man will sustain his infirmity. But a wounded spirit, who can bear? Now, I'd like for you to understand that in the Old Testament, many times there's an interchangeable use of heart and spirit. All right? So he said, the spirit of a man will sustain his infirmity, but a wounded spirit, who can bear? In other words, when a person's heart or spirit is whole and healthy, it can go to an extent of sustaining his body, even in times of health challenges. If a person's heart or spirit is healthy and wholesome, it can sustain his body against infirmity. But he said, if a person's heart is wounded, who can lift him? Who can bear him? Do you understand? He said, the spirit of a man shall sustain his infirmity. But a wounded spirit, who can bear? That is to say that it is almost impossible for a man or a woman or a person to live a wholesome life. If their heart is broken. But unfortunately, we see many people who are walking about with wounded hearts, wounded spirits, and they drag themselves through life through the crisis that they are going through. And many times, we don't take time to address some of these issues. Have you seen a person whose heart is broken, like the generic broken heart? Oh, that when they can't, they can't eat. <laughs> so they can't sleep. They can't sleep. They can't do so many things. They'll be walking and they are talking. They are not mad, though. <laughs> Somebody said, I don't like me again. It's over. At this point, we can't continue. And it's doing you something you can't explain. It's doing you, Shakara. <laughs> you see? But you see that in life, sometimes you see somebody. You look at a person. And the person's countenance is not nice for you. You know this person, but there are some days you see the person and you're like, are you okay? And the person says, I'm fine. Are you sick? He says, no, I'm not sick. But you just look at the person's countenance, how the person is looking at it. It doesn't look encouraging. Are you okay? He said, yes. Are you sick? He said, I'm not sick. And they are not lying. They are not sick like bodily. If you take them to the hospital now and do some diagnosis, whatever, you won't find anything. They are not saying, but their well-being, is not, their, their countenance is not encouraging. All of a sudden, you see they start losing weight. <laughs> but there's nothing wrong with them bodily. The issue is where within their heart. There's a story of a guy who went to a hospital to do a test. And then they gave him the test results, and then he happens to find that he's positive for a very deadly disease. They gave him the test results. He saw he was positive. Then this guy comes, comes home. All of a sudden, he started losing weight. The guy's countenance changes. He starts to become poorly looking. He started losing weight. Then one day, some guy met him, a friend of his, and said, what's wrong? And then he 
gathered the courage to tell him that they told me maybe I'm HIV positive. I said, which hospital? So have you run another test? So maybe you should go and do another test. And then he goes to another hospital to run another test. Goes to another one, runs another test. And then both tests comes out that he's negative. Medically, scientifically, there's nothing wrong with a guy in his body. But the question is, why was he losing weight? They told him he was HIV positive. And then he started losing weight. He started becoming sickly. Because it was a wrong diagnosis. But then, when the correct diagnosis came after two or three tests that showed he was negative, the guy now started pumping up. <laughs> now the question is, there was nothing wrong with him body. But then, because of what he had that affected his emotions and his mental well-being, he started becoming sick. Are you with me? There is something as the sickness of the heart. Proverbs chapter 15, verse 13. It says, A merry heart make a cheerful countenance, but by the sorrow of the heart, the spirit is broken. A merry heart make a cheerful countenance. You see? So when somebody is, Proverbs chapter 15, verse 13. When somebody is cheerful, when they have joy in their hearts, when you see them, it's like everything around them is, they are glowing. They have a bubbly look. They look awesome. It's encouraging to connect with them and relate to them. But he says that when somebody has a sorrowful heart, their spirit is broken. And it begins to show in their countenance. Now I want to share with you some common emotional sicknesses that plague many people and how to deal or handle them. Are you ready? The first one I want to talk to you about is pain and disappointment. Pain and what? Disappointment. And I would like for us to read something in Proverbs chapter 13 verse 12. Let me know when you are there. Proverbs chapter number 13, the verse number 12. Are you there, somebody? All right, one, two, let's go. Hope deferred makes the heart sick. But when the desire comes, it is what? A tree of life. Hope deferred makes what? The heart sick. You can now see that your heart can become sick. Sickness of the heart. And this is not the kind of sickness that paracetamol can handle. Aspirin cannot help you. Penicillin cannot help you. Give me some other drugs. Hypoprofen cannot help you. <laughs> what again? Amosicillin cannot help you. Is that hope deferred makes the heart sick? You know, many times we have expectations. When you venture into things, you have expectations. Maybe in an interaction, in a relationship, you had expectations. That I think that this job will bring me to this state. Even some people coming to the UK, they had expectations. That as I'm going to the UK, I'll make it. 
Yes, I'll arrive. In three weeks, I'll buy a new car. <laughs> I'll build a house. You see, ah, this boy that I have just started dating is my last stop. Straight to wedding. Praise God. Say, so, ah, this job that I have, I can do many things. In fact, I'll get promoted and promoted. They have hopes. They have aspirations. They have expectations. Sometimes it could be an interaction with a business person. You are doing something with someone and you have high hopes. Even it could be an expectation of a church. You have expectations of a relationship, of an interaction, of a venture. But when they don't go the way you expect it to go, you begin to fold up. Is somebody here? And it, sometimes it could be devastating. It could be so terrible that if you are not careful, you cannot pick yourself up. Is a hope deferred makes the heart sick. Sometimes it might not be because the thing has not even happened. Even the length of time that your expectations are taking can make your heart sick. You begin to get exasperated. You begin to get discouraged. Some people can go to the center and say, I'm depressed. They cannot pick themselves up and do the things that they ought to do. Some of them, it could be broken dreams. They had high hopes. That as I'm going to school, I'm going to become this. And then they finish and they are not getting a job. Something is happening and they just cannot explain it. They entered into a marriage and two, three years down the line, it's like the marriage is breaking down. They are in crisis. They made a lot of money and all of a sudden, they are now begging. Hope deferred makes their hearts sick. They now begin to fold up. And you look at this person, they are not well. Their emotional and mental well-being has been challenged. Is somebody for me? And some of these things you can try as much as you can and you cannot fix them naturally. And they begin to affect the person's well-being. They now begin to show up as a shadow of themselves. You are looking at the person, it's like you are not looking at the, you are not seeing the person, it's like, is this the shadow? Am I looking at this person's shadow? And then their expectations were not met. They become disappointed. Maybe somebody you trust betrayed you. Something happened and you never expected that this person that you loved, cherished, and trusted so much could do these things to you. But then it did. They did what you were not expecting them to do. And these are common issues of life. It could be a relationship and your better half now begins to cheat on you. You find out that the person that you were defending left, right and center was the one that was actually stabbing you in the back. And then it begins to affect you emotionally. It begins to affect you mentally. And you just know that there's nothing I can do about this. The harm has already been caused. But the question is, how long would you hold on to it? Because it has now become a baggage and a load in your heart 
that you can't do much about it. It's either you keep carrying it or you drop it. But I came to talk to somebody this morning that it is better to drop it at the feet of Jesus because he's able to pick up the pieces and then put them together and make something better out of it. Now, how you deal about situations like this is that you now have to believe that God can pick up the pieces, patch them together and make something beautiful out of it. You now have to believe that Jesus is a restorer and a redeemer, that he can restore what has been lost and he can bring you back to a state of a merry heart that you can get back your well-being. Is somebody following? How he feels is that now you have to realize that Jesus can patch your heart up and Jesus can restore what has been lost. In fact, the simplest way to say this is that you need a revival of faith in Christ. That he's able and more than able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that you could ask or think. You need a revival of faith in your heart to say that God is able. God is able to bring me to that state of joy, to that state of peace once again. Hallelujah. Number two. is failures of the past. Failures of the past. Some people, they just cannot get over their past. One day I met a young lady, and this lady was sharing with me how that before she became a Christian, she had engaged in some one or two sexual escapades. She had done some one or two, mm, ah, <laughs> which resulted in a pregnancy. And it happens to me that this pregnancy was twins. And then because she was young and still a student, she aborted the baby or babies, right? And then since then, she found Jesus, but she could not just get over her past. She said, for 10 years, that thought was haunting her. She was always being troubled by the thought that she had committed this offense. Are you following? And then she came to a meeting we were holding. And then by God's grace, during the prayer and prophetic time, she would narrate the story to me that as we're praying, that we prayed for her pointed hands on her stomach or womb area and said, let God restore her joy. Within two weeks, she conceived. She went to do the scans and guess what? She was pregnant with twins. Now, for 10 years, all that she was going through was the failures and the ordeals of her past. That emotionally, mentally, she was always being troubled by the things that she had done time past. She saw that as a sin. Of course it is. She saw that as a failure on her part, a moral decadence on her part, but yet she could not just get over it. But God being so good, God came through for her to restore her. Why am I sharing this with you? I'm sharing this with you so you understand that God is 
a restorer. And he's able to pick up the troubles and the challenges of yesterday and make it better for today. See, not everyone is proud of their past. Are you with me? There might have been things that we've done in our past that if we are to go back and reflect on, we are not going to be proud of it. But the truth of the matter is that the past is the past, it's gone. If you try as much as you can, you still know you cannot bring it and fix the things that went wrong. Maybe it was an opportunity you missed. It was a decision that you didn't take well. It was something that you did that was not in the right frame. But the truth is, if you truly are sorry about it and then you pray to God for forgiveness, the truth is that God has forgiven. Are you understanding me? Now, the people that trouble or, or, or the people that stress with challenges or the failures of their past is that many times they just cannot forgive themselves. They cannot forgive themselves. They remember that they did this. They remember that they did that. They remember one decision or the other that they took and they just cannot forgive themselves. Although their past is gone. No man can look back and move forward at the same time. You cannot look back and move forward at the same time. You have to choose one direction to move. It's either you are looking backwards and going backwards or you are looking forward and going forward. So people are in dire situations, desperate situations, and the reason why you see them and mentally and emotionally they are not well is because they are still focused on their past and they cannot forgive themselves for the mistakes of the past. I am here to tell somebody that God forgives and forgets. And so it is time for you to also forgive yourself and what? Forget. Two guys were working with Jesus. One of them betrayed him. One of them denied him. One ended up killing himself. The other received restoration and forgiveness. And he became the captain of Jesus' team. So there's always an option to what to do. Either to focus on the past or to focus on the future. And if you are to focus on the future, then you have to believe that God has forgiven and he has forgotten and he has made room for you to start afresh. And so you should be able to forgive yourself. Hallelujah. So how to deal with mistakes, failures of the past is that you first have to believe that God has forgiven. And so you can forgive yourself. Isaiah chapter 65 verse 16, he says, So that he who is requesting a blessing will make use of the name of the true God, and he who takes an oath will do so by the true God, because their past troubles are gone out of mind, and because they are covered from my eyes. God is saying that your past troubles, they have gone out of his mind, and they are covered from his eyes. So if God has forgotten it, they are no longer in his mind, why are you holding on to it? Is somebody pulling me? So one of these emotional sickness that keeps people at bay and keeps them locked up in their emotional and well, mental well-being is when they cannot forgive themselves. Are you with me? Maybe someone did something to you. It was so bad. I'm sure if the whole world was to vote, they would vote against the person. That what the person did was bad. 
But you see, maybe the person is walking about enjoying their life, but you're holding the grudge in your heart. You're holding the record of the events in your heart. Ah, they, what this person did to me, I cannot forget. Why did I have to do that? I, didn't, I know you didn't deserve it. Yes. But then how long are you going to hold on? Imagine you are going to the airport and everybody has 23 kilos and then you are holding somebody's kilos. You have your two bags. Unless you're a Ghanaian. <laughs> they are always overweight. You should try, try and travel for once like a British guy. They all have 23 kilos, two bags, but they always have one bag and they are catwalking. But come and look at the other people. They are, they are, they are somersaulting their bag. Hey, what can I take out? Abba. <laughs> oh, Jesus. I'm praying for all of them in the name of Jesus. Amen. Hallelujah. So imagine, everybody has two 23 kilos allowance. Would you agree for somebody to add their 23 kilos allowance to yours? No. Do, have you not realized that sometimes even when you are sitting in the plane and somebody is trying to put their, their hand luggage on the top, you still, what is this guy get to right? What is he doing? Can you not put it where you are sitting? Treat your heart like that. Treat your heart like someone who is at the airport and has two 23 kilos allowance. Don't carry someone else's load in your heart. They offended you. They hurt you. You did not deserve it. Yes, but it's time to let go. It's time to let go. How long are you going to hold on to it? Do you understand? And little do you know that it is making your heart sick. So when you see the person that offended you, it's like something is doing you. <laughs> it's like you don't know what to do. You, you, you begin to sweat all of a sudden. By just the sight of somebody who did evil to you, your countenance change, your mood will change. And the person's mood hasn't changed. It's you that your mood is changing. All of a sudden, your facial expression is changing. Your forehead begins to elongate. <laughs> Praise God. This is God speaking to someone that it's time to do what? To let go. The third one is rejection. One of the silent emotional sicknesses that many people go through and they need to be healed from is the heart sickness of rejection. Rejection. That someone did not expect uh, accept you the way you wanted to be accepted. And sometimes for many people, it can start as early as from their childhood. Maybe in their childhood, they felt in their family that they were not loved. They felt that, why is it that it's only me that they're always shouting at? It looks like my parents don't like me. It looks like my dad doesn't like me. It looks like my mom doesn't like me. And they have that rejection in their hearts. Maybe they went to a place and someone spoke something about them. Some words were spoken that trajected into their heart and was translated as rejection. So now why? Somebody just said it. Maybe in primary school, their, their players, somebody said, you are, not, you are not nice. I don't like your dress and all of that. And they felt that they are not beautiful. All of a sudden, they felt they are not needed. Do you understand? Many, they, some people, it can even be as a result of applying for jobs. They apply this job, the next job, they are not getting it, and they feel rejected. 
in that they now begin to put that label on themselves. Sometimes it comes as a result of sibling rivalry. They feel like, ah, they like this, my sister or my brother more than me. And then they feel rejected and dejected. And it becomes a hidden label in their hearts. And they don't know that it's affecting their their, their wholesomeness or their emotional or mental well-being. And so they walk about in life carrying this load. Someone made a comment about you. They said something that your shoe is not nice. They said something that maybe your head, you have a long forehead. They said something about your face. They said something about your legs. They said something about your body. And then you just, you get, you become devastated. Have you not realized that some people, they go and do cosmetic surgeries because they feel they are not nice. They just feel that they are not nice because they think that you need to have a long nose, a pointed nose, or you have to be taped off. Is there something that can stretch people? Shutters in front. <laughs> when we're in primary school, when we go for assembly day, we we'll announce shutters in front, tallest at the back. So if you are short, you have to find yourself coming forward, even when they catch you. <laughs> Shutters in front. <laughs> Maybe they said that and every time all your, your, your best friends were tall so they were at the back and you were always the one that too, was in front. And you know in our school, it was always the girls that were in front and then the short boys would continue. <laughs> so if shutters in front was affecting you, always in, in just the, on the borderline with the girls. And maybe you didn't like it. And so you think that when you watch movies and they say, oh, my dream guy is five foot, six foot, you, you think you will not get a nice girl to marry. Who told you? Even there are some short girls, they are still managing their life. Are you with me? You see, these words have hurt so many people and such that they are walking about in life and they are emotionally hurt. Their mental well-being has been displaced. They are not wholesomely healthy. Are you with me? And I was talking about sibling rivalry. Maybe in their home, they used to give your brother or sister more food than you for some whatever reason. And then you felt like, it looks like my dad, my dad likes my sister more than me. Do you And in some people, they feel rejected even in the absence of their parents. So maybe their, their dad or their mom was not present while they were growing up. They feel that maybe it was their fault, that's why they are not there. I know people who feel that their parents traveling abroad was because of them. And for many years as they grow, they are not able to forgive. Why? Because they feel rejected. Joseph's brother felt that their brother Joseph was loved by their father more than them and this they felt that kind of rejection that led to envy and as a result of that they sold their brother are you with me the children of israel when they had been in slavery for a long time they felt slow in their own eyes the bible said in numbers chapter 
13 verse 33, that when Moses asked the children, the spies to go and set out the land of Canaan, the Bible says when they came back, they, seven of them, the ten of them came with a report that of course the land is good. It has milk and honey, but there are giants on the land and we are like grasshoppers in our own eyes. And so we are in their eyes. They felt like grasshoppers in their own eyes. Did the giants or the inhabitants of Canaan see them as grasshoppers? No. But they saw themselves as grasshoppers. Why? Because they had been in slavery for a long time. So they felt rejected in themselves. You need to see yourself as God sees you. How to come out of this feeling of rejection is to first see yourself as how God sees you. And know that you are not on this earth by accident. Maybe your parents told you, hey, we're not planning this pregnancy, we're just playing about and you came. No, God knows better than that. God had you in mind. Are you hearing me? God knows that he needed someone special as you. That's why he allowed for you to be on this earth. So you now have to believe and accept the fact that you are chosen by God and you have to embrace the love of God. That as a believer, you are loved by God. The Bible says, he said, oh, behold, what man of love the Father has lavished on us. And now are we the sons of God. You have to accept that God loves you. Imagine the God of the universe loves you. He said, if God be for us, who can be against us? So it doesn't matter what the opinions of men. Are you with me? It doesn't matter what men think about you. What God thinks about you must be paramount to you. You must accept that you are chosen by God. You are loved by God. And that's the most important thing. Praise God. Proverbs chapter 17 verse 22. He said, A merry heart diet good like a medicine. But a broken spirit dries the bones. The last one is that you have to continuously rejoice in the Lord. Hallelujah. Always keep your heart merry. A merry heart, a diet like what? Medicine. A diet would like medicine. When your heart is merry, when you are joyous, when you are buoyant and always filled with peace and joy, it will be like medicine. And what does medicine do? heals you and so the way to be healed emotionally is to always accept that you are loved by God maybe this is you here in church hearing me today and you have gone through a lot of things as a matter of God I have been hurt by many people so many things have transpired in my life I have gone through so many Moments of abuse, many moments of depression, many moments of rejection, many moments of disappointment, many moments of pain. And it is so unbearable. Yes, I know, but I came to tell you that it is time to let go. I said I came to tell you that what? It is time to let go. It is time to let go of the pain. It is time to let go of the pressure. It is time to let go of the abuse. It is time to let go of the depression. It is time to let go of the pretense, the weight of unforgiveness in your heart. It is time to let go. 
The broken things that are in your hands that you just cannot fix them. The beautiful thing is that Jesus is able to fix them because he is the great redeemer and the reconciler. If you accept him that way, his grace is able to make things beautiful once again in your life. If that is you, I want you to lift up your voice and begin to say a prayer and say, Lord, I let go that your grace will work mightily in me. Lord, I let go. Oh yes, I want to be whole mentally and emotionally. For it is your will, Lord. It is your will, Lord. It is your will, Lord. It is your will to make me whole. Oh yes, the comfort of the Holy Spirit. Oh, yes. Oh, precious Lord Jesus. Mend every broken heart. Mend every broken heart. By your spirit and power, let every heart that is broken, let it be mended, let it be healed. Let hearts be made whole once again. Let hearts be made whole once again. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Let the weights, the baggage of unforgiveness and pretense, of agony and pain, of the pressures of this life, of this appointment, let it be, let it be taken away from your people. In the mighty name of Jesus. In the mighty name of Jesus. In the mighty name of Jesus, amen. Amen.